Hello, I'm Katie Piper, and welcome to my podcast, Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. Each episode, I'll meet an amazing person with an incredible story who faced adversity and came through the other side to inspire others. Today, I'm joined by blogger, author, mum, and nutritionist, Madeline Shaw. She is very big on Instagram. She posts some amazing content that I've been a big fan of for a long time, lots of recipes and advice. And whilst her page looks glossy and perfect, she actually has a very long journey behind her success and things weren't always as they seem on Instagram. She came on to my show and she was very honest about what led to her successes and the struggles and the difficulties that she faced. It's actually one of my favourite episodes because it helped me a lot and I hope that it will also help you guys and put some stuff into perspective. She's now got a really healthy relationship with food and some real spot on advice that I think could help so many other people. She speaks on my podcast with real honesty and openness about her journey. I hope you enjoy the chat as much as I did. I'm so excited to be sat opposite you. Oh, I'm so excited to be here with you. <laughs> we met, uh, well, we tried to work it out. It was We met 18 months ago, do you think? I think so, yeah, about that. At Glam, was it Glamour Fest or Grazia Fest? I think it was Glamour Festival. Okay. And yeah, we were both speaking about slightly different times, but we got to cross over. Yeah, and I saw you with your beautiful son. It was <laughs> tiny. Oh, so cute. Um, I was like po- post-baby as well and like still emotional and crying at babies. <laughs> and I think my daughter was at home. I was like, oh God, my child's not here. <laughs> I know. I'm still like that now. When I see a baby, I'm like... I just want to hold it. And the stranger's looking at me like, get away from my baby. I have always admired you um, from afar. And in our house, you've been a really good resource in the kitchen, in the gym. (laughs) Um, You know, your content is great. And it's also a page that I feel doesn't make me feel bad about myself. Obviously, you've been super generous with documenting really helpful parts of your life and advice for people. But you have a real journey behind your success. I wanted to talk about, you know, the journey that it took you to get there. um, And maybe when you felt you might not get there as well. Well, I guess probably start from, apparently I was born smiling. Okay. So my mum always says I was a very smiley baby. I would sort of have people taking pictures of me who didn't even know me walking down the street. That's like Instagram. Um, (laughs) 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 But I wasn't particularly good at anything at school. I was always the bottom of the class. Really? So I remember when I did my first day of senior school and we had to do a maths and English test. And it was 50 spelling words and I got two out of 50. I can identify I'm incredibly dyslexic. And I just remember always being the bottom, always not doing very well. And I used to come home to my mum and I'd be like, I'm not good at anything. And she was like, but you're good at smiling. And you're good at making people feel good. And, you know, right now that doesn't feel important, but it will in the future. And I think I definitely always held that. And then when I was 15, my parents sadly divorced, which was, yeah, which was definitely a big pivotal moment probably in my life. Mm. And I definitely turned to like alcohol and going out. Which some people do at 15 without a divorce, you know, so me. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and definitely, I think I'm I'm pleased I did it then because I got it out of my system. And now I don't really feel like I need to do that anymore. Um, But I definitely partied really hard. And uh, one of my best friends, 
friends as well passed in the tsunami. So it was quite a sort of tricky time, I would definitely say, that age where, like, you're battling with, like, the idea of death, which you would never expect to go through at that age and losing a friend. And And a divorce is is a bereavement because something's ended. So there's a lot of grief. I definitely turned to food in a very negative way. And I think it was definitely a control. So I really, I really can remember, because obviously I've done a lot of work to heal it. Mm -hmm. I remember sitting, my dad had just moved into his new flat in Balham, which wasn't far from where we grew up, but it was not super close. And I would would go to his house and instead I'd have one piece of toast instead of two pieces of toast. And before, it was never even a conscious thought. It'd be like, I'll just eat whatever I want. I'll eat And now you were restricting. Exactly, I was restricting. And I think... It wasn't so much about being thin, Mm -hmm. which I know is for a lot of people, because I was always quite naturally slim Uh and I didn't have a problem in my body. It was like, I'm going to restrict my food to feel in control of one element of my life that I can be in control of. Did anyone notice? I mean, did your dad point it out? Yeah, not immediately. But then I think my parents did start to get worried Mm -hmm. because I did start losing weight and I did become quite thin. And I think my friends did try and speak to me And there were moments where I was, like, in denial of it. There were moments when I was, like, I need some help. And I did go and see a psychiatrist. And she probably wasn't that helpful. She made me weigh myself and write a food diary and all the things that almost made it worse because, of course, I didn't want to put on weight and I wanted to pretend that I had eaten Mm. more to her because otherwise I'd be in trouble. And I think it almost, like fueled it a little bit. So do you think it wasn't about, like you said, it wasn't about aesthetics of I need to look like a person in a magazine. It was about control, failure, sense of achievement. Yeah, exactly. I could achieve at being in control of my food. Mm. I could achieve, I think there was obviously an element of being slim because it was that kind of, I grew up in the Kate Moss era where like it was about being thin, bit rock and roll, looking like you hadn't slept all night, mascara down your face. Black eyeliner. Exactly. Very sort of short skirt. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm 35, so I'm not Yeah, exactly. So um, I think, that that probably went into it and the OC came out and I think Marissa was like... Oh, my God, I remember the OC. <laughs> Marissa was like a role model who was not a great role model. Yeah. Um, I hope that people don't ever look up to her now. I don't know. It just sort of started to become part of my identity, I guess. And I guess your coping mechanism. 100%. It went on for a while and in a weird way, it be- it almost fueled me to do better in my school years at the end. So I did end up actually doing okay at the end of school. That's I crazy think... because you'd be dizzy, you know, hard to focus, fatiguing. Exactly. I guess things really turned around when I moved to Australia. So um, my parents are both from New Zealand okay. and my whole family, aunts, uncles, grandparents, all live in New Zealand. Um, and we'd gone there a lot when we were growing up right. and I always loved it, but I was obsessed with Australians. Okay. If anyone was Australian, I'd be like, oh my God, what's it like? Because like, you were a fan of Neighbours and Home and Away? Uh-huh. more of a home and away girl but just I was like a city on a beach I mean could that not be more magical and went there traveling when I was 18 when I finished school and the day I got off the plane I was like I've entered my spiritual land I was like this is where I belong like it was just this really weird gut feeling where I was like I have to be here I'm not quite sure why were you still struggling at that point 100% like I remember like I would just eat like 
fruit and drink vodka and that was like yeah. honestly my nutrition was so poor so at your worst um, point what were you existing on on a daily basis what was your <sighs> just like a lot of fruit like as in excessive like maybe 10 portions of fruit and some rice cakes and wow. that was pretty much it there was just no like understanding of a meal like there was an element of like I didn't have that much money yeah. um, but it was just a real lack of respect for myself and were you telling yourself it was healthy because it was fruit exactly yeah, I was like, yeah. I'm eating healthy. I like eat loads of fruit and stuff, but it was really not healthy because there was no fats, there was no protein. My hair was snapping. Yeah. My skin was really dull. I like you said, I was so foggy headed where like I couldn't have a clear conversation with anyone. Mm-hmm. And I definitely never had like a really meaningful relationship until yeah. that point. Like I had boyfriends. I was always boy obsessed. Yeah. But they didn't know me. It was very like, we party together, we hang out together, we hook up. And that's as far as it goes. You don't know anything about me other than yeah. the face value. But I think when you have something, I mean, is it fair to put a label on it and say it's an eating disorder? I think so, yeah. It was never hospitalised, but yeah, I think so. I think it's quite a broad it's name, disordered isn't it? Eating. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was disordered eating, yeah. exactly. Do you think for some people that have had disordered eating, this movement of like clean eating is just a kind of mask of it's still quite obsessive and it's still restrictive? A hundred percent. And I think that's why there was this big backlash against clean eating a few years ago, which I think was a, a hard hit for me and, and the other people included because we were never, ever wanting to do that oh, never in the see first you as place that. Yeah, yeah you know yeah. but I think that um yes I think it is and any kind of form of obsession about food even if it is being obsessed with eating well even if you are balancing your plate to the max yeah. you know it's called orthorexia so it's another form right. of disordered eating and I think food is also an element of like purpose like mm. I eat this way to do this um, it's a way of fitting in. You find your tribe with other people that yeah. it's, you know, I don't know. I think there's way more to it than just the fuel and oh, the there taste. Yeah. There's there's such an emotional connection to it. Yeah. that. I mean, I know people say you shouldn't associate, say, alcohol and food with socialising. But in a, in a controlled way, it's a pleasurable activity that connects you and bonds you with people, you know. 100%. I mean, even as a mum now, you know, my eldest is five. So cooking is a massive thing together. Eating together yeah. is huge. Um, but I think it's hard because if you're a successful person, you do need good levels of control. Mm. So you need to be in control in your professional life and your personal life. And you certainly need to be in control of your health because successful people are busy and you yeah. can't afford to get ill. It's just checking in with yourself not to go too far. And I think the things that really helped me was when I moved to Australia and I met, we're not together anymore, we had a really lovely relationship when we were there, um, my ex-boyfriend, and I finally really opened up to someone about it. Oh, wow. Do you think it was because it was like no one knows you there? I do think so. I think there is something magical about moving to a different country, like you said, where no one knows you, you can be whoever you want to be. Start again. Exactly. And also, um, he, interestingly enough, had um, gone through his own eating thing. He'd been really chubby at school and then lost a lot of weight and suddenly became very handsome became right. later in his life and I think had almost understood that kind of side of like overeating and then eating less and yeah. he just got it like it, he wasn't like oh that's really weird he was like I, I get it and you're okay and I want to help you and like it was like what a relief it was amazing and it definitely it wasn't overnight it wasn't like he said that and I was like bam but it was like the beginning of my journey to be like 
I can do this. I can come to a place where, like, I feel very comfortable and it's not the 90% of the th- my thought process, which it was at the time. Yeah. I never, ever thought I would end up in food and health. No, it's so I ironic. Know. Yeah. Because, and it's brave yeah. because I guess that, that initially that stuff would scare you. You know, if you were living off so little to go and cook like an entire, I don't know, steak, potatoes, <laughs> vegetables, you know, that is quite daunting. Yeah, but do you know what? It really, quite quickly I was like, I really want to look after myself. And I got so interested in the Aussie life, which was, like, not about dieting. It was, yeah. like, eating well, but also, like, moving your body and and exercising with friends. Like, that was a social activity, whereas I was like, oh, I just see my friends at nightclubs. Yeah. It was like, no, like, have a really nice conversation with your friend on a walk where, like... Outdoorsy You're, stuff. like, boosting, like, your serotonin, you're getting some sunshine. And I was like, oh, like, just sort of immersed myself in this positive side of looking after yourself. Yeah. I can see how it would be more inspiring in Australia. Because <laughs> I feel like in England, like, we go and exercise in another room that has either heating or air con, probably no windows, and then we get a taxi or the bus home from the gym or yeah, get in our car. True. You know, and it's kind of, like, not as inspiring as, say, being... And also being somewhere where everyone's outdoors and swimsuit shorts, vests. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you were 18, were you at that point of, like... What should I do with my life? What should I be? A hundred percent. I was very much... Which is hideous. Yeah. So I went through lots of different things. I did dog walking to bartending to retail. Uh, I worked for an interior designer for like a year. Because out in Australia, everyone works while they they study. Because I know sometimes in the UK, people don't really get jobs. But people like... They all have jobs while they study. But that's what gives you all your... That's what makes you streetwise, gives you your 100%. common sense, your people skills, your Respect confidence. Respect money. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I used to work in Tesco. So I'd go to college in the daytime, and our Tesco was 24 hours, and I'd work in the evenings, and then I'd work weekends, bank holidays. And I remember, like, I think I used to get paid about £200 a month, and I used to be like... I'm actually rich. You know, I'd get the yeah. check and they're like, I've got £200. It's amazing. You know, I mean, this was back in like the year 2000. So this, <laughs> for the young people listening, it's a very long time ago. Um, but it gave me, like you said, that sense of money, achievement. And actually, if I do overtime, I can get paid double. And, and all the things I own, I've paid for. And yeah. it was a really important life lesson, you know. Aww. And I'm so glad. And you know, I'm going to make my kids work in 100%. maybe Waitrose because that's our local supermarket. <laughs> they can, and they can walk there. And I, I was made to walk to my work so yeah no it is I think it's really important for kids to work at a young age I do think it it makes you grow up how it all sort of happened for me was um you know I was eating better and looking after myself but I still had really bad digestive problems I think probably because I hadn't eaten well for quite a long time yeah um and I probably quite stressed around food that it caused me to have IBS so were you bloated just getting really bloated all the time and obviously was introducing all these new foods but wasn't really sure if it was like fitting right and I went to see this naturopath and she was like sort of changed my diet and got me eating things that I wasn't like much more fats more proteins um, and just loved it, thrived on it. It's and great how open you were then to doing that, because that's yeah, a good step. Yeah, I think I really went through quite a fast transition of being like, no, I want to embrace food, and yeah. I want to really enjoy it, and I, I'm here to be the best me. And, like, I think I went through this big, like, spiritual, emotional mm-hmm. shift where, like, I just kind of butterflied. And anyway, I was eating so much in this cafe that they gave me a job. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God, that's epic. <laughs> I 
I was just like there every day. They were like, you may as well work here. Right. Um, and it was like an organic cafe that was attached to a gym. And Dream I used, job. I mean, it was amazing <laughs> in Bondi. And you used to just like go in and cook. And they had like a fridge. They were like, just make whatever you want. So it was very creative. And it was very like back to basics. So we made our own kefir like fermented our own yogurts made like raw cheesecakes energy balls before they were like in the supermarket it was really innovative of its kind I was like I just love this I was like I love cooking I love learning about food I love helping people and I had no no idea what I would do with that but I was like this is it this is for me once I found like something I'm like I'm committed. Yeah, I'm in. but that's good. But it's joyous, though, to find your yeah. purpose and to fill a void and and to say to yourself at such a young age, "Oh, this is it. This is what's. This is what I'm here for." So, what brought you back to the UK then? Because I finished my degree, um, and I knew I wanted to do something in this space, and yeah. I felt I'll move back to London and give it a go there. Because at the time, I mean, London had nothing. Yeah. I think it had a Whole Foods but none of the health cafes, nothing. What year was this? I was almost 23, so that means it would be 2013. Oh, people were still eating Pop-Tarts for breakfast. 100%. (laughs) And, you know, just I saw, like, the opportunity, and I was like, this is really interesting. I've learned Mm. so much from Australia. Could I bring it back here? And I also met my boyfriend, so that definitely helped. And is he a similar mindset to you, your boyfriend? No, we're very different, actually. I met him because, well, I moved back to London. It was probably about the second week, and I was like, how am I going to make any money? Yeah. I was like, I'll do a supper club, because there were some supper clubs popping around. I was like, there's no healthy supper clubs. Where can I create a space where people can experience this food? Yeah. So I tweeted, does anyone know a person, uh, anyone with a restaurant I could do a supper club at? This girl who followed me said, you should meet this guy. He's got this restaurant. So I went down, met Kieran like he's really good looking I like this guy oh, wow. anyway we did our first were you in your club. gym gear or were you dressed up actually I was in um I remember because we were wearing uh, opposite outfits so I was wearing white jeans and a black top and he was wearing my white shirt and black jeans oh, so we wow. we looked like um sort of like a pair of penguins or yeah something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway we did our first supper club together which was a success uh-huh and then we went for coffee and then a drink and then drink turned into dinner and dinner turned into kissing and then oh, wow. I was like that's it for me. I've met the person I want to be with. So how long have you been together now then? Almost six years. Oh my goodness. So yeah. yeah that's no, amazing. It was really lovely. So I think he definitely kept, has kept me in London because yeah. I, I definitely still feel this like earning to go back to Australia and have done. Okay. But I was talking about reducing your sugar and everyone was like, oh my God, I've never thought about that. And yeah. it, it felt, I don't know, it always felt very natural, my work. Like I was never like, I didn't have a five-year business plan. I just thought, I'll do a supper club. Yeah. I'll do. I'll write a recipe. I'll create a blog. I'll I'll do some talks and events and speak to people. And and it just sort of came from there. It must still not be without pressure, even at present day, mm. because it's, social is really hard. I think. Yeah, it's. Do you know what? It's a really difficult space to navigate. And I've I've been on it such a long time. You know, almost six years five you're one of the beginners really you're one of the first people yeah and you know at first it was fun it really was not about numbers it really was just about putting up a cauliflower pizza and seeing if someone was interested in it yeah and you know I definitely went through a good year I think when I was pregnant when I really retreated and I was like I'm not yeah. I'm not interested. I want someone else to do it for me. I understand and that. Yeah. I go through phases of like really enjoying it and then where I'm like, I need to step back. And I think I'm now in a place where 
I really enjoy it, but I set boundaries, and that's the only way that I keep enjoying it. What's so. your boundaries? I need to know. <laughs> I need boundaries. So I don't ever go on in the morning, because I okay. think if you immediately wake up, you're, like, in your pyjamas, you know, your son's, like, smearing toothpaste on the floor, and you're looking at someone that's already, like, smashed their workout, had some, like like slow cooked eggs on sourdough bread or whatever fancy breakfast they've had you feel like oh my god I'm so behind the world Uh like I'm already like not done enough like and it's 7 (laughs) a.m you know so I always keep like a bit of a boundary until about till about nine or ten I won't look at Instagram I might check my phone just in case as an emergency, you always just want to double check those That's things. Exactly. Yeah. But I'll never like go into emails or anything. But for business, it's peak time. So if you were engaging. That's so- very true. But I but now I'm at the point where I'm like, my mental health is more important. And was there a point where it was making you unhappy and that's why you put that boundary there then? A hundred percent. I think I was just like probably like we all do, aimlessly scrolling, constantly comparing mm. and just spending time looking at my phone and not my son and I just was like yeah I really I don't want to be this person I don't I don't want my son to grow up thinking oh my god my mum loves her phone more than me yeah like that's really important to me that that doesn't ever happen and it's a real problem for everybody I mean it doesn't mean they don't love their children it's just it's the society we've created Mm. all of us you know there's the real genuine scientific addiction to the the lights on the phone the validation on the apps you know and it's the best mother in the world could be listening to this thinking, I'm always on my phone. Yeah. Even though my kids are my priority. So. Of course. And it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't mean, oh, I love, of course you love your kids more than your phone. Yeah. And yeah. like sometimes parenting can be difficult and your phone is a bit more easy. You're in control of it and you can be on it and enjoy the content that you want to read. And Yeah. And, sometimes I lock yeah. myself in the toilet and go on my phone. <laughs> But now my daughter's five. She's like, Mum, are you on your phone? <laughs> You're like, no, yes. really big poo. <laughs> yeah, literally. would rather say that than admit I'm actually scrolling on someone's nan's cat in Leeds, you know. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, not, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Did you cure the IBS with your diet? Did the IBS go with the diet? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I I completely, that was definitely the message I wanted to kind of promote. So I'm glad that it came across. Yeah, because I've I've linked it so much for me with like depression and anxiety Mm. of, you know, alcohol is terrible for me. Sugar Mm. fuels those feelings. And actually it made me realise, you know, the, the, the industry of food is the healer you know, for so many different issues that we have. I think food is medicine Mm -hmm. and, you know, we've become a very fast-paced life, which means we, like, grab and grow food, which is really delicious, but it's just not Mm nutrient-packed. 
we're using it in the wrong way. We're like, we're eating sugar because we're stressed. We're, eat, we're drinking lots of alcohol because we're stressed. And we're not actually going, why am I stressed? Like, could I sleep a bit better? Probably I do need eight hours sleep, mm. not two. And, you know, could I spend a bit more time in nature and, you know, relax a little bit more and not be constantly busy and all these sorts of things, as well as obviously looking at, like, your diet and what you're eating. And I do think that, yeah. like, sometimes we're looking for, like, that magic pill. Like, that's why all those diet teas and stuff people love, because it's like, just drink this tea and you'll be X. Yeah. But it's actually hard work. It's changing your habits. It's changing the what you eat, the way you eat, the way you sleep, the way you interact with your relationships and stuff. And actually, I feel like, Years ago, all we ever had as our resource was the news mm. and, and print media. And we relied on that and maybe an encyclopedia or something. <laughs> but now we we don't have to rely on one group of people to feed us our news with, with one certain political agenda. Yeah. And we have social and we have all the, these outlets. And I think, you know, like with the detox teas, people are calling out these brands mm. and, and activists are making movements saying, do you know what? I probably, if I have a massive shit, we'll lose six pounds. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> then I'll have dinner and I'll gain like seven pounds. So I don't actually mm. want to drink caffeine and laxative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, which is quite inspiring to see that the people power against that, that kind of thing, you know. I agree. For more extreme cases like these, yeah. you know, skinny teas... It is great that people have been called out because, you know, I can remember reading in a kind of what magazine it was about someone saying, oh, bananas are really high in calories, so don't eat them. And I just remember not eating a banana for like two years. Me too. And I'm like, that's the biggest load of crap. Bananas are great. They're fantastic for you. But I think, you know, this sort of don't have that and... um, kind of demonising food is is a problem and I think mm-hmm. something that we're becoming more conscious of now, hopefully. And yeah. One thing I get sometimes if I talk about this subject is some people say, well, it's really healthy. Um, it's really expensive to be healthy. Yeah. And for me, I think because I've been through a lot of medical problems at a young age, I always think, no, it's really expensive to have medical treatment. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, and actually investing in your food, it might be like an older thing as well because I don't go to nightclubs and mm. go out to bars and stuff. So I'd spend my money on good food so I don't have to spend my money on expensive treatment in my later years of, with disease and sickness. In a way, we're really lucky we have the NHS, but we're also unlucky because, you're right, we don't have to think about it in a monetary value of that. Because I know when I'm eating well, I feel amazing. And when I'm, you know, don't eat as well, because I'm not perfect, I 100% feel it. And I think, God, this is what a lot of people feel like every day. Every single day, yeah. Do you have strong views on alcohol? What, What do you drink personally? If as long as I'm drinking it out of like, I enjoy this, this tastes really beautiful and it goes well with my food... That's amazing. It's But I don't want to ever be drinking because I'm like, I hate my life. I want to mm-hmm. get rid of this day. So I think that alcohol has a place. Yeah. I think we just abuse it. And we drink so differently to the rest of the world. Yeah. You know, you go we to do, like France yeah. and Italy and they literally have their small glass of wine yeah. with their food and they, and they see it as like part of the meal. And it's not about getting like sloshed. It's yeah. like, it's pure enjoyment. And I think that's kind of where alcohol should be but then I do think if you're someone that sees it in a negative way then it might be good to cut it out for a while I know when I moved back from Oz and I really stopped you know I still don't drink very much yeah I'm talking like a glass a month there's a really small amount (laughs) um I felt really distant from my friends and I totally 
get that kind of loneliness and like just drinking to fit in because it is especially when you're younger so part of like socializing isn't it like Mm -hmm. it gives you a bit of confidence to talk to that guy or girl you might like it you know it sort of makes you you do have fun like we're not gonna lie it is quite fun having a big night out but not all the time um so I did find it quite difficult at the beginning because I was like to my friends let's go for walks at like 3 p.m and they were like no let's meet at the pub yeah and and have a glass of wine yeah exactly and I lost quite a few friends I would say when I first moved back Mm -hmm. because I wasn't partying but I just see them not really as good friends. Because if they didn't want to meet up with me sober, then they weren't my good friends. Yeah, actually, that's a really good take home, isn't it? That's mm. a good line to kind of remember if you're if you're struggling. One of the other um, movements I was interested in getting your opinion on is veganism. Okay. Because that's been a really, you know, Piers Morgan has tried the uh, vegan uh, <laughs> Greg's he? sausage roll. He was <laughs> tweeting about that. What's your stance on it all? We know that we're now at a big crisis with kind of our environment. You know, there's huge amounts of evidence, the fact that like the meat industry, specifically cows, is causing a really devastating impact to our environment alongside a lot of other things, you know, transport, um, just... How are cows? What's the impact that cows are? So they produce a lot of methane, Mm -hmm. which is a greenhouse gas. So it's kind of causing the polar caps to melt and, you know, sea temperatures to rise and kind of the crazy weather that we're all getting has been linked to it. So we know that it is having a devastating impact alongside a lot of other things, but right. there has been much more evidence on the kind of meat industry. Um, and then I, there's also the cruelty angle of it. Because uh-huh. we're eating so much meat and we're such a huge growing population, there's a big pressure mm-hmm. to produce a lot of meat fast and you know you kind of can see these documentaries where animals are kept in tiny cages fed a lot of food they get ill they're just pumped with a lot of hormones and it's very sad Mm -hmm. and if they do it from an educated standpoint i.e they're taking their b12 every day very important vitamin that you cannot get from a vegan diet and it's really important you normally your stores last you a year to two years if you've been eating is it found in it's basically just found in animal products oh right yeah but it's really important for your brain so you're not if you're having quite a long time of not having it it can cause your brain to sort of degenerate so it's not like oh you might feel a bit ill or something it's like really really quite serious so if you're taking a b12 but also so there are quite other key um, minerals and vitamins that to watch. Iron is quite um, important and one to monitor. You can get it on a vegan diet, but it's a little bit harder. Um, iodine as well. Um, your protein intake is something that people always think about. They go, right. I'm going vegan. Where's my protein coming from? But actually, protein is probably the one thing you'll find quite easy to get. So do you, what's your so, personal so preference? Do you my, eat meat? So I'm what they call a flexitarian, which is like... Oh, this is what I saw on your Insta. <laughs> I was stalking you today and I saw the flexitarian. Which is like, there's a lot of kind of memes about it, which is... Have you been made all into the, a all meme? The sm- all the <laughs> smugness of a vegan but still get to eat meat. So there's a bit of a cop out. But right. What 
what I tend to do is I tend to try and eat vegan Monday to Friday. And then I'm not like having a meat feast and yeah. like roasting Rack a hog <laughs> on Sunday. But like I just allow myself to eat whatever I want. You're still having to be conscious. We all have yeah. to be conscious of what we eat. 100%. In, in a healthy way. So is it is it still a struggle even now? Do you know what? Like not particularly. I wouldn't say I'm like cured because I think everyone's got a slight relationship with food and I but I would definitely say I'm in a very happy place where I I just want to touch what you said about everyone having a slight relationship with food I so glad you said that yeah I think everybody does don't you yeah because at some point you've been told something about your body or something about where you eat or what you eat or how much you eat and that's going to impact you and do you know what? If there are people that literally don't have that in their lives, that's amazing. And God, how lucky are they? Yeah. But I do think that most, probably especially women, sadly, yeah. have got something because, you know, your body changes, your metabolism changes, you know, food trends change, diet culture is everywhere. We're constantly seeing people in, like, ridiculous bodies on, in their bikinis on yeah. the beach. Like, it's got to impact you at some level. Uh-huh. It's more important to have a good relationship with yourself, with mm. food, than it is to be thin. Mm-hmm. And that's something I always go back to. If I ever kind of get those, like, I should go on a diet, I should do... And I'm like, actually, when you were doing all that, you weren't that happy. Mm. So, yeah, okay, maybe eating lots of cake yesterday wasn't the best thing, but I'm still going to have breakfast. I'm still mm. going to eat well. Especially when you're responsible for other people, whether that's being a mum, being an influencer of other followers, mm. you have a responsibility to stay alive. <laughs> and you really do, though, and to be present in everything yeah. you're doing. Um, and kind of it goes beyond you now, doesn't yeah, it? You that's know. very true. Which is nice. Yeah, I think, I think it's doing helpful. it for someone else is is fuels you more than maybe doing it for yourself. I mean, you talked about your career, how it wasn't necessarily a big strategy, and actually, mm. it was a reflection of what was genuinely happening in your life. Yeah. So at the moment, what's your sort of plan? I mean, do you? I mean, now you're a mum, you must have to plan. All mums <laughs> have to plan. What's the kind of plan for you next? It's interesting. I've I feel like I've been through quite a big transition over the last few months I'd say I really felt like the spark in me had sort of dwindled a little bit you know I've been doing it for a long time and I didn't feel like as passionate about it you know when I first started I was like spiralizing a courgette on stage and people would be like oh my god she's a god like what's she doing and now it's like you can get it in Tesco's already done in the packet how lazy (laughs) (laughs) so you know I just didn't feel like I was I was doing anything extraordinary you know and well that's a hard pressure isn't it yeah and and I and I think that was something that really fueled me was like being ahead of the curve talking about something someone else Mm. wasn't and I had to really dig deep and and say, you know, what do I really want to talk about? And what, what actually am I passionate about speaking about? And I think it has and, and will probably over the next year or so be more around kids' food, kids' nutrition. Oh, good. And That's I, good for our house. <laughs> <laughs> I um, set up another Instagram account called Madeline's Mini Kitchen. Oh, OK. I don't know if you follow it yet. But it's to... just kind of kids' food, little, like, really simple kind of recipes that mums and dads can make for their kids that are, like, healthy and delicious. And it, f- it seems like it's going well and people are enjoying it. And I feel like I've got my spark back and I'm really enjoying it and, and moving into the mum space and... Mm. 
started a podcast. Oh, yes, of which course. Which yeah. you're going to be on Yeah, very that's soon, right. I'm looking forward to that. Called Get Your Glow Back. Because, again, I felt I'd been in the wellness industry for so long. Yeah. But I... I didn't relate to wellness when I was a mum. Like, I would yeah, read these articles yeah. that were like, start your morning with an hour of yoga, an hour of meditation, and then in the evening do a kickbox class. And I was like, I'm never going to be able no. to do that. And always feel like a failure because it's 100%. not going to happen. 100%. So I wanted to reframe what wellness now meant to me as a mum. But it's nice because, I mean, I have the same when I became a mum. It's like your children actually inspire your career because you know if you're somebody with a big following on social you can influence people and Mm. when you become a mother you become so passionate about influencing this tiny thing that you're responsible for you you think right I want to use this platform to help my own child and all these other children and yeah I think one of my projects I I did more recently was a book um I mean I wrote it with my mum and it it was called things I tell my child and it was actually the reality of being a a young girl because I've got two girls um in a modern society and what to do when you do experience trauma um disability disease sickness because we all will be touched maybe not directly but indirectly with people that are close to us by those things and that's not really a it's kind of an edgy parenting book you know it's not a traditional sense um and it was inspired by my kids you know and hopefully it at five and 15 months, they won't experience the things in the book. Yeah. But hopefully they can read it when they're teenagers yeah. and, you know, and kind of benefit from it. Do you think motherhood has brought out any anxieties or anything in you? No, I don't think I have become anxious at all. It's made me be like, I need to do more work on myself so that I can be the best parent. I was into meditation and then I kind of dropped out of it and now I'm very much meditating more. I've got and into night. it. Have you? Yeah. yeah. It's quite and hard at first, isn't it? 100%. But I, I know that I'm a better parent for it because yeah. when he throws a tantrum or when something's a bit more difficult, I can take a breath instead of reacting immediately. Yeah. How often um, do you meditate then? So I do 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes in the evening. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad it works for you because I started it and it did really work for me. And then I went abroad, didn't do it for like two weeks. And, routine, isn't it? Yeah. But I think it might not be meditation for everyone, but like those moments of stillness, walk in nature, mm-hmm. bath, just having time just for you, I think is just so fantastic yeah and so precious as well Mm, it really feels like to me from this whole journey you've been on you're just at a point where you've kind of got it really in check and and so sorted do you do you feel that balance now yeah I do actually there are definitely things that happen in my life that I slightly struggle with and stuff but on the whole like I feel like I know myself so well now mm. that I know how to make myself happy. I know what to do when I'm a little bit down or tired. Um, I know what's important to me. I know the people I want to connect with and I know what I want to do in my career. And I think when you know those things, life is that little bit easier. Do you think that's the overall message then? It's about getting to know you. A hundred percent probably without even realising that that is what the messaging is. but yeah. And I think I shied away from who I was for such a long time. And But sometimes getting to know you involves mistakes. Yeah, your failures, the way you react to bad things happening to you is a huge amount of learning mm. of who you are and, and tough to go through, but 100% worth it. 
yeah. and everyone has to in their own way as well. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, you've been so inspiring. I've, I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just feel like I've taken so much from it, so I hope that everyone that listens to the episode will as well. So thank you for coming on. And, thank you for having me. Yeah, sharing your, your life with us. It's been lovely. I've been given some great advice in my life, so I wanted to share that with you in my new book, Things I Tell My Child. My book follows my journey into motherhood, but it also shares stories from my own mum and the experiences that she's had, the highs and the lows. This book was quite difficult for me to write in many ways, and my mum's comments were particularly emotional for me to read. But above all, I hope that you enjoy reading this very special book. Katie Piper, Things I Tell My Child. Thanks for listening to Katie Piper's Extraordinary People. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this, please help us spread the word. Rate and review the show where you got this or share on socials. <laughs>